So we started a series back uh, a few weeks back called the Four Dimensions of Love, and uh, one of the one of the objectives of uh, sharing this message is to help get us mature and uh, to 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 understand what love is all about. The Bible tells us that um, that perfect love will cast out fear and uh perfect love doesn't mean like you're you're uh like it's perfect without flaw although god's love is perfect without flaw uh but our maturity in that love means uh, that's what it means it means to be mature in love and so we're to mature in the love of god and uh so that we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish see god's love for us, once we understand it and comprehend it and we be, we were recipients of that love and start acting out of that love, then we're not going to be fearful of anything. We're going to step out in, into the areas that he wants us to step out in. When, 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 when the Lord says, step out of the boat, when he says, come, then we're willing to step out of the boat and walk on water if need be. Amen. Why? Because we know he loves us, that he's going to care for us, that he's going to take care of us. If he says... I want you to go into the promised land, and yes, there's adversaries, and yes, there's giants, and there's things to overcome, but when we know that he loves us, and that he's for us, and he's on our side, and if he be for us, everybody else might as well be, right? And when we know that, then we're going to go in, and we know that he's going to be, he's going to give us whatever we need to be able to overcome the giants that we face in, in life. And uh, I believe that there's a great grace that God's released on his church. I believe that uh, it's always been there, but it's one that we're understanding and we're getting to uh, become familiar with so that we can operate in, so that we could take ground. There's things that God wants us to do, but we'll never take ground, the ground that God wants us to take until we understand the love of God. Most people are suffering with a... A disease called <laughs> most people are call, uh, uh, suffering with a disease called fear, and they they, they fear they're 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 intimidated they're uh, they they're in, you know they just fear things, and uh, fear is going to come to all of us, but we don't need to give in to fear. Fear is not something that needs to lead our life, direct our life, but we need to overcome fear. And the Bible says that it casts out fear so that we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. I've seen people that uh, won't make decisions to, to do simple stuff simply because they're paralyzed with fear. Fear's kept them back. And so I don't know if that's you today. I don't know where that's at and how this will speak to you today, but I do know it'll speak to us all. And so there's four sides of love. Today I'm going to talk to you about another side. We've talked about three sides already. We first of all talked about that love gives. And that, and if you haven't gotten, uh, been able to listen to that, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. We talked about how love also protects. And we talked about that last week. And today we're going to talk about that love corrects. And many times when we talk about correction, we talk about, or we think about correction, we think about that in the negative. And uh, when we think about it, our first reaction, knee-jerk knee reaction, is to, to resist it and, and to resist correction. But in God's perspective, correction is a positive thing. It's a good thing that we need to embrace in our lives. 
And most people, because they don't understand the love of God, they have a hard time receiving correction from God. Whether it comes through the word or, you know, somebody in authority over their life, many people will they'll resist it because they don't understand that correction should be a positive thing in our life. And so we're going to talk about this. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you to a prayer that Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. And uh, we're going to break that down first of all in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. So let's look at it together if you would. And a very, very great prayer. I, I want to encourage you to go and read this. But it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that we would grant you, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? So scripture tells us we need to be rooted and grounded in love so that we can be able to comprehend, comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length. Now we talked about width and length. Again, width being uh, God's giving. Uh, length talking about God's protection. Today, the third one is his depth, which we're, that's talking about God's God's correction. And then uh, height, you can come back next week and find out what that is. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Again, this little statement, just I just keep going back to it. How can you know something that passes knowledge? I just, I, the only way to know something that passes knowledge is that you get it through revelation knowledge. That God reveals it to you. So it says here that you might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I love that. Now understand that love, God is love. And so when we comprehend that, receive that, embrace that, and begin to live out of that love, then of course we're going to experience the fullness of God. But if we're resisting the love because we don't understand the love of God, because we're too, uh, we're too caught up in wrong thinking or whatever that might be, then uh, we're not going to be uh, receiving the fullness of God. And that's where a lot of people are in their life. God says, I love you with an everlasting love, a love that never fails, a love that uh, will always be there for you. I love you that way. But many times, because people don't understand the love of God, what happens is that they begin to doubt what he loves us, uh, that doubt his love, and therefore they are fearful to step out and do what he wants them to do. And I think that that's all of us could probably say amen to that. Okay? And so we're growing in this love, the understanding of this love. And so it says here that we may be filled with the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you or in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so I, I've been saying this is that many, many people don't, uh, because they don't understand the love of God, they suffer in their relationships. Many relationships are, are, are not doing good. They're unhealthy at best. Many, many relationships fail. And that shouldn't be because 
you know, if we're uh, if we have the love of God li living in us, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, and we start living out of that love and by that love, then all of our love—I mean, all of our relationships—should succeed because love does not fail. Okay, but too often because we grew up living out of human love, which is very fickle. Human love will marry you and, and divorce you, marry you one day and divorce you the next day. But God's love will always be there and it will always succeed. And we're called to live out of the same love that he loved us with. He says, I've loved you with this kind of love. Now I'm calling you and I, uh, he's calling us to live by that same love that he loved us with. That's a big call. Can you say, truly, are you walking in the love of God that you're loving one another, you're loving each other, you're loving me, you're loving others with the same love that he's loved you with? You, as a matter of fact, scripture says, they'll know that you're my disciples because of your love for one another. But I'm going to tell you, most people's loves, love is, is rooted in not the love of God, it's rooted in human love, which is conditional. Human love is like, you know, if you violate something I don't like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm, I'm through. That's human love, correct? But that's not the love of God. The love of God, it will stick to it, and it'll be there, and it'll help you through the process, and help get you to where you need to be in your walk with him. And so uh, life is all about relationships. That's why uh, life needs to be all about the love of God so that we can love one another with the same love that he's loved us with. A matter of fact, faith doesn't even work without love. Faith works by love. And so if you're, you don't understand the love of God in your life, then you're going to struggle in your faith. You're going you're gonna to struggle in it. So you've got to settle the fact today that God loves you. And you've got to settle the fact that God loves you, that he gave, that God loves you and he protects, and God loves you and he corrects. Amen. That his love towards you through correction is not a negative, but it's a positive thing. It's something to help you move forward in him so that you can experience all that he wants you to experience in your life. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? So what I want to do is I want to talk about love. God's love is correction. First of all, the first thing that I want to share is that God's, God's correction is for your restoration. It's not for anger. He's, when he brings correction in your life, it's not because he's angry at you. It's for restoration's sake. He wants to restore that relationship. He wants to restore you back to where you need to be. Now, there's three definitions that I'll share with you today through the course of today that are definitions that are given for correction. And if you'll go look them up, you'll find that these are definitions. And I want you to hear the first definition, first of all. Correction, it means this, it means restoration to an upright and right state. So when he brings correction, he wants us to be right, upright, in a right state with him. Amen. That's why correction is given. 
so that we don't keep going in the path that we were, we were maybe going without the correction. Because without the correction, you're going to get off course. You know, my, my wife just flew to uh, Tucson, Arizona and flew back this week. And, you know, that plane has a course that it's on. And it's set for that course. And if you just start off with a little bit of wrong, uh, a little bit off course just at the very beginning, at the end, you're going to be way off course. And so God's in d desires that he would catch you right away and he would correct you right away at the very beginning of you getting off course so that you don't end up way off course at the end. And there are far too many people that are way off course simply because they've been avoiding the correction throughout the course. And so you and I have to be heeding the correction of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, 11 through 12, it says this, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Don't despise, don't det detest. In other words, don't resist, don't rebel, don't reject again the, the, the correction of God. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. In other words, I'm not angry at my son. I correct my son because I delight in my son. It's, it's not an anger thing. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. When something gets out of alignment, it begins to hurt things. And many of you know that you've had maybe your back has been out of alignment, and, and when your back's out of alignment, it begins to hurt other areas in your life. It's a crazy thing. I remember my wife; she was, uh, we had gone to the chiropractor, and and her shoulder was messing with her. And uh, and then the 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 chiropractor began to align her uh, and do some things and did some what what did he call that, that little punchy thing? Yeah, without the needles, but anyway, it's like a little. Anyway, and so he was doing that, and then he said, "He says, did you have a headache before this?" And she says, "She said, yeah." And and then he says, "Do you have it now?" No, it's gone. He just made some correction, made some adjustment, and it, it got other areas corrected in in our life. See, many times in people's lives. People are trying to deal with the fruit, not getting to the root. And when, when you're just dealing with the fruit, uh, then you're going to miss out because you're, gonna, you're just going to keep going after this piece of fruit and this piece of fruit, this piece of fruit. It may be anger. It may be this, that, and the other. And, uh, and all of it, uh, what God's trying to do is he's trying to get the root of it. And that's why correction is so important that we bring correction so that we can get to the root of it so that we get into alignment. Because when you're not in alignment, it begins to mess up some things. Other areas. Uh, we just had to replace some tires on our car because the, the tires were out of alignment, didn't catch it, didn't see it. And, uh, and, and they began to wear in the inside, didn't, didn't notice it. And guess what? I think the tires were a little over a year old, I think 13 months old, and, and had to replace the tires. Right? Begins to jack up things. Now, you keep doing that, 
There's a lot of other things could happen. Guess what? If I keep running those tires, and we had just gone to Dallas on those tires, didn't know, didn't know uh, you know, it could have caused some problems if they blew, blew. And so correction's vital. It's not God that God's angry at you and I. It is so that we can be restored back to where we need to be so that we're standing upright like we need to be standing. Correction needs to be our friend, not our enemy. Doesn't need to be something that we resist. Listen, Proverbs 22.8, it says this. It says, uh, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. I could say it this way. If you're, if you're, if, if you're uh, doing something in, that needs to be corrected, eventually it's going to produce some bad in your life. So, so we need it corrected. But it goes on to say the rod of his anger will fail. So anybody that is correcting somebody out of anger, it's going to fail in, its, in, in what it's uh, intent. And so God, if he's saying that to us, that our rod of anger, when I used to correct my son when he was, uh, you know, being brought up in our home and we were training him and bringing him up in the admonition and nurture of the Lord, we used to use what we called the rod of correction. Some of you might know it better as a paddle. I never, I never took that paddle and used it in anger, okay? I'd always bring my son in and I would do it calmly. I would never, never take it personally whenever he needed to be corrected. I would bring it in and I'd say, son, the reason I'm using this rod is because I want you to always associate your wrong actions with pain. It's always going to bring pain. It's going to bring sorrow in your life. And so I, I, I'm asking, you know, do you, you know, obviously I don't bring him in and correct him. I, don't, I didn't use the rod of correction if he was unaware of what he did. But once he was aware of his wrong and then he repeated it again, then I would bring the rod of correction and I'd have him lean over my, over my uh, what are these, knees? And, uh, and I'd give him three good squats, enough to make him cry. I mean, he felt it. I wanted him to feel it. And then we would pray. And then we would embrace. And then many times we walked out of that, that time of correction closer than when we walked in. Why? Because I didn't use it out of anger. It was a rod of correction, not a rod of anger. Are you with me? You didn't know you was going to get some parenting uh, instruction today. And so, uh, and, and the reason, and the reason why I was bring, I did that is to, for restoration. I wanted to restore him, not hurt him. Second thing I want to share with you today. Are you getting anything out of this? Second thing is that uh, God's correction is for your protection. It's not punishment. When, when, when God corrects us, it's not to punish us, it's to, it's to protect us from what could be happening or could happen if we stay on the course that we're on. And uh, Hebrews, I'm going to take you through a, a variety of different scriptures, different uh, translations. Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 5, it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. In other words, 
cooperate with his correction. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not punishment. It's not, it's not uh, anger. It's so you can be restored and so that you can be protected in your life. Hebrews 12.6 says this in another translation. It says, the Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. And in verse 11 of Hebrews 12, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If we will allow God's correction to train us, it will protect us. It will keep us from harm. Another translation at Hebrews 12, 11 says, It is never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it is always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will, we will do right and live at peace. Amen. Let me give you the definition here. I told you I was going to give you three definitions. Here's the one. Correction means to convince, to com- convict to be instructed, and to cause one to learn. God, God wants us to be convinced and, and convicted of whatever he's correcting us in so that we will learn and so that we can be kept from harm. Can I tell you how many people I've said something to and I, I, I've told them the truth, but they still go their own way and it ends up uh, falling apart in their life? I cannot tell you how many people breaks my heart when I see it. And let me tell you something. It, it's the, probably the biggest reason is it is painful. It's painful to the flesh. It's pain, painful to our pride. But if you'll allow that pain, your pride to be put down and don't take it personally and take it, uh, take it that God loves me and he's trying to protect me. If you would, hand me that. God's correction is like this umbrella. When you're under this umbrella, you're, you're protected from the elements above it. When you're under, when you're under uh, this umbrella, you're protected. But if you resist or re- resent or rebel against correction, you're getting out from the protection of God. And once you get out from the protection of God, then the enemy can come in, swoop in, and he can, he can take advantage of the situation of your disobedience, uh, of your uh, rebellion or whatever it is. He can take advantage of it and he begins to devour. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, the word devour doesn't mean that he just comes in and immediately destroys, all that, although that can happen, because he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. But to devour something, if you ever ate a, maybe uh, some of you like steaks. How many steak eaters in the house? Okay. How many of you ever devoured a steak? Okay. How do you devour a steak? You devour a steak one bite at a time. And what the devil will do is he'll come in one bite at a time. He'll begin to eat away at a little bit of your life, a little bit of your circumstance, a little bit of your relationships. Why? Because you're out from under his, under the protection 
of that correction. Correction brings protection. And when you're under that protection, then he can't come in. You're protected. Again, faith works by love. How can you truly be in faith if you're resisting the love of God that's correcting you? Come on. We can't resist his love and think that we're not going to be uh, okay. We need to stay under the protection of his love. Now, he loves us. Understand that. He'll love you. He'll love you all the way to hell if that's what you choose. It does not nullify the love of God. He still loves you. But you may not benefit from the love because you're not receiving the love because you don't have the knowledge of God, love, the love of God, and therefore you're not experiencing the fullness like we read in Ephesians of the, of, of the love of God in our lives. The fullness of God. Because we're outside the umbrella or the protection of his correction. Is that making sense? I think sometimes we need visuals so that we can understand what God's trying to do in our life. He doesn't want you, he doesn't want you hurt. He doesn't want you pained. He doesn't want you destroyed. He doesn't want you devoured. He doesn't want any part of your life devoured. He wants you to be everything that he created and designed you to be. God had an intent for your life. He designed you for something, but you'll never fulfill that outside of the love of God. And besides that, not only should we be recipients of that love, but once again, we're talking, this is a relationship series. We're to love others with the same love that he's loved us with. And how can we truly love one another with the same love that he's loved us with if we've not been a recipient of it? And matter of fact, in our relationships, we ought, to, we ought to be able to love one another so much that we can bring some, when we see somebody off course a little bit, hey, listen, I don't know if you understand what the word says, but the word says it, oh gosh, I didn't know that. Forgive me, Lord. I'm, I, I correct that. I, I receive your correction. Tell the truth in love, scripture says in Ephesians. Are you getting it? And so let me take you to number three. The third thing I want to share with you is this, is that God's correction is for your foundation. It is not for rejection. When you're being corrected, it's not to, it's, he's not rejecting you. It's for your foundation. Now this is huge. This is key. This is, this is something that I want you to I want you to dial into, because if you don't dial into this, you can miss everything that I want, I'm wanting to share today. Because a lot of people think that God's correction comes through sickness, through accidents, through disasters, through crisis. It's the enemy that kills, steals, and destroys. Jesus came that you might have life and have it full, more abundantly. I know there's a lot of religious teachings and a lot of religious thinking out there, but you always divide the word with the word. Not with human reasoning. Amen. I will qualify this. I will say this. Can God use bad circumstances to get your attention? Absolutely. 
does not mean that he, he sent it to do it. Are you with me? Because I, I'm telling you, you can learn in any situation. And he can correct you in the midst of that. Does not mean that God intended that. I, that God corrects. He corrects through his word. That's the foundation that he's wanting to build in your life. And I'll prove it today as we close this time together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That word reproof means proving and convincing. It's, pro it's, 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 it's profitable for proving and, and convincing, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word of God equips us for life, for everything. It's profitable for everything. It corrects us. Amen? So that word correction here means to train. So the word of God will train us. It means to mold the molding of our character. Again, I told you I'd give you three definitions of, correct, uh, of, uh, of correction. You can go look them up. You'll find them in, in both in the Greek and the Hebrew. And, uh, and so it will. It, 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 he's molding us into the people that he wants us to be. Before you, before you uh, build a house, you lay a foundation. There's a mold that is being placed. And in that mold, then you pour your cement, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So you're, you're, you and I are either being conformed, in other words, fitting into the form of this world, or we're being transformed, fitting into the form that God says that we can be uh, fit into, which is by the renewing of our mind. And it's by doing that we prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. In other words, we allow God's word to have authority in our life to correct us anytime, any place, under any circumstance. God's word is what needs to be uh, the final authority in anything and everything in our lives. That's what brings correction. A matter of fact, uh, uh, Paul was telling Timothy, he says, preach the word, be instant, in season, and out of season. And one of the things that he said, he says, correct, reprove, and encourage. In other words, it's, it's the word that brings correction. And we, we need to receive that correction. Now, uh, in the building of a structure large structure, big building, one of the things that they have to do is they, many times they have to do that, and most of the time, if not all the time, with large structures, they have to correct the soil. In order to correct the soil, they have to dig out soil, and they have to go deep. Remember, the love of God is the width, the depth, the, I mean, the, uh, the width, the height, the depth, and the length. Okay, it's four-dimensional. Well, today, we're talking about the depth, which is the, 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 the correction of God. So you've got to correct your soil. You have to uh, take this, uh, all this dirt out, 
lay it with all kinds of rock and, and then pound it down and pound it down. Keep building that rock until you have a good foundation. Okay? All right? You with me? We got to divide the word correctly. Correct? Now, I'm a, I'm a student of the word. I love the word. We lead by the word. This church is built by the word. My life is built by the word. So we process everything through the word. Correct? So remember, in Matthew's gospel, I believe it is, Jesus said you can build your house on two, either two different ways, you can, two different foundations. You can build it on the sand or you can build it on the rock. You build it on the rock when you hear the word and you do it. In other words, you receive the correction of it, you put it to work in your life, then your house is built upon the rock. If not, if you hear the word and you don't put it to work in your life, then it's built on the sand. And then when the storms come, the Bible says, when the storms come, then one of two things are going to happen. If it's built on the sand, the Bible says that it's going to fall, your house is going to fall, and great will be its fall. But if you're on the rock, you're going to continue to stand once the storm is gone. Now, if you built your house on the sand, in essence, if you didn't receive the correction of the word, if you built your house on the, on the sand when you heard the word and you didn't let it correct you, like I'm preaching all the time and I'm bringing correction all the time. And some people will be hearers of the word, not doers only. Or they'll be hearers of the word and not doers. And when you're not a doer of the word, the Bible says you deceive yourself. Just because you know something doesn't mean that you're in good in a good place in your life. If you're not receiving the correction of it. So what happens if you built it on the sand? Guess what? You become a constant rebuilder instead of a constant continual builder. See, if you're built on the rock, you're just always building. You're not rebuilding. You're not rebuilding marriages and finances and businesses and relationships and, and whatever, the, the, whatever the picture may be. Is that making sense, guys? And God wants us to be so caught up in his love that when he brings correction, we're saying, yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. Gladly, sir. Because I know that it's foundational in order for him to build what he wants to build in our life, to do what he wants us to do in our life, because storms come to us all. And he knows that if we have a good foundation, when the storms come, we're going to continue on, and we're going to take ground like he said we can take in Jesus' mighty name. I, I, I'll close with one last scripture. And it's Psalm 36. Let's look at it together. It says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Remember, I talked about this. That there approximately, they speculate that there's two, uh, at least 200 uh, billion uh, galaxies out there. If you've been with us, I talked about this. And uh, there's approximately 200 billion trillion stars. And each one of those stars are named by God. So his love is as vast as the heavens. That ought to melt your heart. He loves you and I that much. So vast, yet he came, he loved us, 
He sacrificed his life for us so that he could be in relationship with us, so that we could experience his love, so that we could receive that, that, that love that is beyond our understanding. And he says, I'm going I'm to reveal it to you so that you can comprehend it, so that you can experience the fullness of who I am. He says, my love is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. How precious is your unfailing love. Unfailing, unfailing, unfailing love. Oh God, all humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on all on, on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. God loves us. I close today and I ask you this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he, what is he talking to you about? I know most people, most Christians have yet to understand the love of God. And I think well, it's, it's going to be a continual unfolding because God is love. But I think too many people are struggling with the love of God and therefore they're struggling with loving one another. And today, I don't know what he's saying to you, but all I am saying is this. Whatever he's saying, it's, you need to be saying, yes, sir. I received the correction. I've received the adjustment. Let's pray.